This episode has been recorded on Treaty 6 territory. You know, sometimes you kind of got to... Okay, this one, not the easiest episode to have recorded, but super awesome that we did. It's, it's about, you know, our individual experience with our disability, and we thought it was important to share a little bit of that. Disclose, yeah, yeah disclose yeah, some get of into it. personal shit. And, uh, and we, and we, yeah, welcome to our world a little bit more. Welcome to our world. Okay. We are here. We are here. Good morning, Maria. Good morning, Tash. We are, this is my last morning mm-hmm. here. I'm leaving within hours and back to life. Mm-hmm. Back to reality. And we just felt like talking. And we just thought, yeah. why not just do one more? Just the two of us. We, we can, can make, make it, it if we try. try. Just, just the, the two, two of us. You and I. You and I. All right, what are we talking about? What are we talking about today? Talking about other relationships that we have outside of the yeah. beautiful one we have with each other. Yeah. Holy, <laughs> what a box. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to open uh, you know that is like and then oh. can it close again yeah no i mean it is just it you know relationship with family relationship with friends relationship with co-workers you know relationship with public yeah um employers companies professional casual it's there's so much and it affects our lives you know in every way I think so, because we're human beings and we're social creatures and we like to be around people. We like to, you know, communicate with people in our ways. And that's not what makes the world go round, but it kind Mm -hmm. of is. Sometimes you can only have so much of somebody and then you're like, I need a need a quick break. No big deal. But I just need a real quick break. That that actually, for me, needing a break brings me to the thought of, um, how like filtering relationship filtering interaction so for someone with an invisible disability you may depend on people relationships for to fulfill some kind of social need right Mm -hmm. but they're not necessarily medical functional or physical so i feel like a lot of interaction that is in my life that is placed in my life is so functional and it's a necessity because i need so much care and i need assistance I need support Mm -hmm. um, because I just cannot do so much by myself, Mm -hmm. you know? And so a lot of the interaction is just like, like my life is full of it Mm -hmm. and I have so much of it that my alone time or my time without interaction, your relationship with yourself is far and few between. I don't know, do you ever, like, do it on purpose? Do you ever feel like, uh, I'm overstimulated by people right now, I just need to be alone, and I'm going to go do my own thing? I think I think if, if nothing else, like, it's, like, my relationships, like, when I was in school, it was kind of, like, any relationships that, or social circles that I could be accepted in, 
I I did, and luckily, like I've ha- I have a a number of friends still from that group that I'm very close with. And then in college, I was like, I made a conscious effort, as I think a lot of people do. But like, I was like, I am going to just hang out with everyone, and that kind of set me up to uh, hang out with everyone, and like not have time where I was like you know, not doing anything for an evening or not doing anything if somebody asked me to go somewhere or to, like, partake in a situation uh, that I would just, I got in the habit of saying yes, and I had a blast you, you doing just, it. You just, like, always feel like you needed to say yes. Yeah, and I yeah. did, and I wanted to, but then but then when you're when you're constantly, like, around other people, and for me, like, I'm not just, like, around other people like I'm around other people like I like I like to be that involved in the situation involved in what's going on and like how's it going what are you thinking about right now and like Like what do you want to do right now do you want to do yeah and it does take a lot of energy and so in college that idea would be I, this is this is very much on purpose. And then you get in that habit and you get in that situation where you're like, yeah, like, let's do that. I, of course I want to go to Edmonton for the, the weekend. Like, that, that cabaret sounds so much fun. That sort of thing. So, obviously, I worked very well in that. But that does set you up for, like, not knowing how to sit with it. But, like, because there was so many different people involved then it wasn't so much focused yeah. on like one specific person. So, so in that moment, like my hyper-focus was probably more on me doing everything and anything um, and less on like focusing on one person specifically, um, which can happen to you. Do you ever find that when you're like go, go, going that you crash? Yeah, that's, yeah, 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 for sure. And like, that's what my like late 20s were about so I was in a relationship and I was as um more nuclear in in a sense and then after that relationship was done I went traveling which like gives a whole new realm of like activities and people and like places and things to do and like that sort of stuff. So there was like a, a moment where it was like, boom, 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 boom. And I can track it when I think of it. But when you're in it, you're like, oh, you won't burn out. And like my relationships besides um, with my parents um, because of circumstances, I don't want to say suffered because everybody's got a life to live. But like since January, like there's been a focus rolling forward. And I do think that looking at it, my friendships can be affected, but, but definitely like in college was like where I figured out how to have different types of friendships mm-hmm. and like how to compartmentalize certain things. Cause like there was people that I would wake up and have breakfast with or, and when there were people that I would go dancing with at nighttime and there were people that like, I did have one pretty good friend where like we would do a number of things, but, uh, I think in college, like my relationships with new friends, making friends and going on from there was like, I'm going to actively make the friends that I want to make 
and not because in, in high school, it was like I had two really good friends in high school and I even met them through circumstance because I, I got asked out on a date when I was 15 and I didn't want to go alone and I went to school and I was like, who wants to come on this date with me because I don't know what's happening? <laughs> and these two very lovely people who I love uh, now uh, were like, we'll go to the movies and it was Joe Dirt and and they and ever since then we've been friends but my friends in high school were made as a result of their social circles and their social capabilities and their social uh, interactions but I was around and I did go to the parties and I did socialize that way but I wouldn't have gone had one not not one of those two people had gone I wouldn't have gone. You just wanted... The, the ability to, to make... I don't know, fr- not the ability to support, make friends, but the, like having, but like the confidence or the... Yeah. Yeah, maybe that is. And I think a lot of people might feel that way. But like, so when I got to college, it was like, I'm going to... Because I hung out with people that I didn't want to hang out with in well, high school because... <laughs> I was limited. Yeah. No, but I was like I was been like small town yeah, probably wasn't well, a lot of people. Exactly. And like the idea that like if my social circle was my two friends and one especially she's very social and very interactive and very outgoing and very this very that. And I was after I got there. But to but to get to that party or to get to that event, it wouldn't have been a thing without Someone like you her. You wouldn't want to go on your own. I wouldn't even know how to make it happen. Yeah. Like, I, I, it, yeah. I, I didn't have the connections with other people to say, hey, let's, I bet Maria's going to yeah. enjoy this. Yeah. It was always like, hey, and then, and then I would be with her yeah. type, of, type of interaction in high school. And then college, I was like, <laughs> I'm going to make the best friend ever. Uh, and I had so much fun, and it was so great. There was not, it took me, you know, three years to do college, uh, not because of my social socializing. Uh, it was because of like my learning disability for sure. But I, off the top of my head, I don't recall a bad experience in college socially. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so, yeah. So that's saying a lot when you can only remember good things. And, and yeah. And in, in high school, did you ever like, were you ever judged? Like did people ever judge you if I was they bullied. knew about I, your okay I was bullied but it, it I don't know like I know what the bullies were saying but I didn't did that have anything to do with having a learning disability no it never does no kids are assholes no <laughs> like we know that <laughs> they're assholes and if they feel insecure about something then they want somebody else to feel insecure which is a weird ripple effect of insecurities that now I have to, you know, and it was boy like boys, boys were assholes, and and then people are like, oh, he's gonna like you, and you're like, I don't fucking care, uh-huh. I don't care, just leave me alone. You don't have to look at me, you don't have to talk to me, you don't have to interact with me. You're forcing the interaction. I don't want any of this interaction. So stop uh-huh. forcing this interaction. And confronting that was was interesting. But something anyways. that I think about when I'm comparing our, our you and I socially is that you you do have a lot of energy and, of course, the obvious independence. And your days are usually filled with, like, 50 things. 
you know, you got so much going on and you wake up early, you know, and you've got like, go for a run, go meet here, mm-hmm. go to this phone call. You know, you maybe, maybe you have a meeting, maybe you go to work, maybe then you're going to go to dinner. Maybe after dinner, you're going to go to the bar, maybe you're going to go dancing. Then you're going to go home or like to some house party or something, you know, like you just, just, just so many things that you <laughs> go, 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 go. Like I really have to like pick and choose what my days are filled with because maybe I've got like, oh, today I have a rehearsal or like today I have a work meeting and like that's what my day is going to revolve around because it's going to take me so long to like get up and get ready. And then if I actually want to like maintain my health, uh-huh. I'm going to like stretch on a regular basis. This is so time consuming. Um, meals, I need help with preparing, you know, you know, assistance, grabbing my fork or whatever, yeah. right? It's just so time consuming. And so to fill my days up, like the amount that you get done in a day compared to what I get done in a day, I feel like that comparison is very interesting. Yeah. Well, my list never ends. Like I never look at my list and like you don't have stop. it. Well, cause I, <laughs> cause I don't have a lit. Like I, during the pandemic, like, you know, whatever, six, seven months in one of the like kind of like new friends that I made she she would always say, be kind to yourself, like take care of yourself, self-care and like this sort of stuff. And finally, it, it like it didn't I'm not saying it clicked, but it like kind of clicked where it's like, OK, if I like go through a day and I look at it and I don't accomplish anything like that's OK, because there are days that I don't accomplish anything and I procrastinated and like that's a big part of who I am and what I do is procrastination. So like I could go through all this stuff, but like what really needed to be done, I just kept putting down here because I was active in all this other stuff, but like what actually needed to be done, I didn't do. Uh-huh. So like, that's the danger that is me. Yeah. So, so it was like a thing where it's like, don't do anything. Like don't just stop which is what happens when, when I crash and like burn, like crash and burn, when I crash and I get sick. Cause that's, cause that's, but that's not really resting. That's you like, need, it's you're like your body sick. telling you, okay, you've gone too hard. You need to stop. Yeah. Crash. But that's still yeah. that same thing that I procrastinated. It's still yeah. on the list. So I still feel like a sack yeah. of shit if I haven't right. done it. Um, so that's, it's not that I'm accomplishing a lot necessarily. It's just like, if I'm busy, whichever and and other things do like fall by the wayside whether it's you know like we were talking about like the friendships or the things like what have you been up to and they have a big long list of what they've been up to and you're like damn like I'm a I've I'm so sorry or like they're going through a hard time and I'm not checking in as often as I want and I am thinking about somebody and I do want to like reach out and say like hey how are you doing is there anything I can do and I have like two, three days where I like do that. And then because it's not right in front of me, they're not right in front of me. Um, it falls yeah, it's kind pushed. of by the, by the yeah. wayside, which is not the intention or the feeling that I want someone to feel yeah. if that's what they feel. Hopefully they don't feel that way. And so then like going to your relationships with family, like if you're going hundred miles an hour and you're just like, or you're on autopilot, how does it affect your relationship with your family? Because I know you are really close with your mom and your dad, you know, you're, you live next door to them. And yeah, your siblings, like my mom. You have a pretty close relationship with your siblings as well. 
my my sister she's similar to me where she like does you know 10 million things um and they're all like super important in the capacity of like she's passionate about it and so we don't talk as much as I would like to talk and we don't spend as much physical time as we would like to spend or I as I, I don't know how much physical time she wants to spend with me or I want to hang out with her all the time um and that's always been the case and that could be a younger sister older sister thing I don't know that would be a whole nother maybe she'd come on and we chat about it but like the idea that that uh, and my brother is like so engaging when he's talking with you and when he's in front of you and talking um and that like makes you feel so seen and so heard in that moment and he's and he's a great discusser slash arguer so with that combination of things it can be really what am I trying to say here so they're similar in the way of like when you reach out and talk to them they are really engaging, my sister and my brother, um, but they also have a lot of stuff also going on. So if, if it was my perfect world, like, I, like family would be like the thing that would be like where we're at. Like, I, yeah, like what are you doing? Can I make it work? Can I make it happen? Yes, great, like I'm going to do it. family is a priority. 100%. And like right now, like especially when family is going through something, then it really like is really you remember the bond and everything that happens when you're able to like figure out how to come together in in at that time and last summer and this summer like is what I feel for our family and our family relationship to be able to come together and for me that takes planning I have to write it down. I have a I have a new daily planner and I've just uh, like established and I do have to write like things down in there to say like this I'm this is who I'm seeing. This is who's coming home. This is, you know, and and take note of that. But yeah. like otherwise something else is going to happen with with that kind of with that setup of being together in that moment. Yeah. How do you think having an invisible disability has or does affected or like anything to do with like your relationship with your family the thing with my family like thing with family not my family but thing with family I think is that you are so close to it so they are your biggest support and also your the biggest critic not because I think they actually are your biggest critic but because what they say has the biggest effect like somebody can tell me you're talking really loud like can you like can you be more quiet? Which like a friend or like anybody outside of my family can say that to me and I could be like, yeah, no, that's cool. Like, I, that's fine. Like, and it happens obviously because I, I do get loud and I do get excited and I do. I remember when, I remember I used to like, if I got really excited, I'd like, I'd like hit, I'd like hit. And it, and it always happened to be my sister which is really unfortunate for her, but I'd be like, I was like, oh my God, like, da, da, da. and I'd like whack her shoulder, whack her leg or something. And she'd be like, Maria, that really, really hurts. Stop it. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But uh, it really surprised her that that would be my reaction. Um, and then another thing, like if my parents, mostly my parents, but like if they tell me to like, you're talking really loud, like 
like, what do you, like, what do you need or something? And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, you need to be quiet. I'm like, like your parents are always your parents are always your parents, whether or not they're scolding you, taking care of you or whatever. But like, it stings to, if I'm honest, like it's, it does sting where you're like, you're, they're not trying to be mean or anything, but like, it has a different thing. Or like, if I'm trying to tell a story and they're like, get to the point, like get to the point. And it's not, it's not something bad to say. And it's not something bad to ask of some, somebody. Mm-hmm. But if I'm already kind of like insecure about like how much time my stories take or how much, how my stories are understood or that sort of thing. And somebody's telling me to like get to the point, mm-hmm. And I think the whole thing is the point. Like, I think, mm-hmm. you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's like, it sings a little bit, but it's not, it, it's not because they want it to sting. It's not at all, yeah. you know, but if somebody on the outside friend, even friend, like friends, like close friends, even as close as, as far out as a close friend would say yeah. that to me, it would like, I would react very differently. Would it, would it, it be? No, it'd be like, no, fuck. You're going to listen to my story. Like it, like would settle it sting down. more or less? Less. Yeah, yes. yeah. I'd be oh, like, no, okay. you're listening to my story, but you can't say that to your parents, uh-huh. right? Like, you can't. You have to, like, be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to, uh, the point is, uh, it was really fun. Hmm. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And it can't, it, that's, as, that's as fast as I can make it because I can't. Yeah. And so that kind of thing. And for all I know, they're saying that because every time I tell a story, every time I want to get my opinion across or every time it is a whole thing for them and they do ride the wave with me all the time Uh but then that one time they're not they want to do something else with their time or their brain isn't into it or they're not available for it at that time but every other time where it feels like no like this is the only time I'm struggling to get this out across yeah but but it could be that that that's all the time and so and so like that's probably one of the bigger struggles for me yeah. is to be like, is to know that like, that's where it's coming from. Or if they even know, like I'm yeah. sure they don't know if they listen to this and this makes the edit, then, yeah. then they'd know. But like, that's not their intention is yeah. to make me feel like that. I know that. So in, I guess I would be talking about like in a relationship with other people that have ADHD yeah. would be like that. That would or be in relation like. to them. Like, yeah, it's like, no, it's, I appreciate what you're trying to do, but like, it's actually very annoying to me. And I've, and I've gotten really good at saying like, probably mostly with my family again, cause it's mostly comfortable, but like yeah. where you're, you're saying, like, I'm actually getting upset. Like I don't want to get upset yeah. and I'm actually getting upset with the conversation yeah. with advice that like, I know that there's been times when my dad has been like telling me advice and it, and I've said to him, I've said like dad, like, this could be really good advice, but I, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to hear it right now. And he's like, you know, it's good advice. Like, just like, Uh I'm like, I know dad, but like right now I'm just like, I'm just over it. I don't want to talk about it. Like, stop it. Yeah. Like, I know I need to do this and, and you saying it doesn't mean it's going to happen. And you know, so I've gotten, I've gotten good at communicating that to people, which I think is my responsibility. Yeah. And I think that's my responsibility to do for the relationships in my life. Yeah. And that, that's hard. It's hard to take that like autonomy um, over yourself, over your needs. But I think that like we are creatures of empathizing. Like, I mean, not everybody, but like people <laughs> like to to empathize, to uh, and and try to understand and try to relate and try to be empathetic. And then I think that's when they get into that that 
that trouble, right? Um, yeah. But I mean, people, yeah, people just like to try to like relate in, I guess, any way that they can. Sure. Especially if they're trying to understand, and sometimes it's genuine that they're literally just trying to understand. Um, as as I think both you and I do. Like I think mm-hmm. that both you and I have been on the other side and of this situation. Like you may be trying to understand like a physical disability or myself trying to understand an invisible disability. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is the point of this podcast, yeah. everybody. Hey, hey, hey. You know. Mixed. Yeah. Like I've learned so much um, just from all of friend the friends that I have that are on the uh, spectrum, like the autism spectrum or people with Down syndrome, just any kind of cognitive disabilities that I can definitely fall in the like ableist thought process with being raised without it, with mm-hmm. being, you know, a person who doesn't identify with any of and any a disability mm-hmm. and so learning about it. So like yeah, I think we can also recognize that we can be on, you know, both sides of of the though these kinds of situations. Yeah, for sure. You know. No, I think I I also like couldn't agree more with that do you want to just talk about just i'm just curious about your dad and because like when you maybe like were younger and um your family started learning that you learn differently than what they're used to especially like i find it so interesting that your dad's a teacher because and my mom's a teacher and my sister's a teacher they're all teachers yeah you know so that's like like learning is their practice yeah 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 yeah. so I think I think what happened there is that like you're so close to it like they're so close to it and yeah not to say anything about anything per se but it's like if you're that close to it you can't not you can't but it's hard to recognize it and maybe it was at the times like maybe it was oh shit, like whatever, however, 20, 25 years ago where it was just like your kid procrastinates or your kid, like it was always known that my reading wasn't strong, but it was always like, you need to read more. Like you need to read more to get better at reading, which probably isn't terribly incorrect, (laughs) but it's like, there's nothing more uninteresting to do than to do something because you have to do it and you have to get better at it. And there's a weird measure on on what is a good reader. Like, like how many words do you read? Can you sound this out? Oh, yeah. And, like, how do I spell this? I don't know. You should look it up. Well, if I, I'm not asking you what it means. I'm asking you how to spell it. Like, can you just tell me how to – tell me the first three letters. Like, give me a starting point. And, and that would really, that would really, really irritate me um, is, like, look it up and, like, do all this. And, and so I think with my parents – um, both being teachers, they might have been used to other people's kids and, and seeing other people's kids from in the learning capacity rather than like their kid in like my learning capacity, how I process or what that might be like. I think that that might have just been a little too close because my dad did get he did get choked up when he found out that like I had, I had an actual, an actual thing. It wasn't just, it was me procrastinating, but there was a reason. Oh, Maria's lazy. Yeah. Like it was, it was like Maria is procrastinating because it's like, it's, it's like not painful in like pain, but it's like, it's, it's a thing. Like it's not just, which is unfortunate. I don't, I 
wouldn't want my parents to feel that way at all. And however that is for him, I don't sure. But I think, I mean, I hope it gave him some perspective on, on it. But I think, I think that's kind of where it happens with, um, I don't know about parents, but like teachers that are parents is that like, you're just, you know, everybody else's kids learning you, like you can spot all that stuff from it, but you can't, for some reason you're, you're really close to your kids. Um, and now there's more information, more stuff out there for all of that stuff. So that, that's hopefully not going to be an experience that other, other, you know, kids get. Yeah. Um, Things change. I think that the, like, it's a surprise. I think it can be a surprise. It's the idea of like, all of a sudden you discovered your child's not atypical outside of the norm, right? It shouldn't be a bad thing. It should just be like something to figure out, right? Mm-hmm. That you're just, okay, um, I am, or my child is going to learn differently. And this doesn't mean that it's better or worse than what is typical out there. What is the norm for other kids? But I think that that is it's an opportunity. That is like, ideal. That is an ideal way to look at it. I, yeah. I think, but it's not how people look at it. And it's not how like traditionally mm-hmm. it's looked at. It's looked at in a negative way. It's looked at as how disability is seen negatively, mm-hmm. you know, even in the context of the word disability without ability when it really, it's just like, it's just, it's just a difference. Mm-hmm. It's essentially just a difference. So it's like your parents figuring this out are literally just figuring out a different way well, to do things with one of their kids. The, the aspect of things being that like people are just people are just people, right? Yes. So if people are people, which yeah. people are people, um, <laughs> no matter what, uh, like your parents, I've read somewhere or heard somewhere where it was like, it's a very specific day when a kid finds out that their parents are just people right. and they're not superheroes. Right. They don't have all the answers. They make mistakes. They've lived a full life yeah. and they have, you know, like that sort of stuff. Like they're not they're perfect and they're, they're flawed. people. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's that, that as soon as like, if that's the case, then you soften on, on your view of your family and your, and your, yeah. You know, like my older sister is just a person. Yeah. So like when she wasn't, she didn't want me to hang out with her. It wasn't her now. Like it, I can't be upset with like a 10 year old because when I was seven, I wanted to hang out with her and she didn't want to hang out with me. Yeah. I wanted to hang out with her and her friends and she didn't want to hang out with me. So to be upset, to be upset and hold that kind of like grudge feeling in, uh, means that I'm upset with a 10-year-old. Like, what am I doing? I don't even be upset with a 10-year-old. Or, like, even people that bullied me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm upset with a, a 13-year-old. Like, what's a 13-year-old mean to yeah. me? Type of thing. So even so even if I, like, which did not happen at all. But, like, if I ever was, like, oh, my parents, meh, 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 meh. It's, like, no. Like, people make mistakes and they miss things and they were they – love me and they care for me and they nurture me and they I never had to worry about anything as a child like it wasn't yeah. at all like I was I grew up in a very like healthy uh atmosphere that way like I always knew I was loved I always knew 
that I was safe. I always like there was there was those those things were taken care of and they just missed it. Yeah. Like, you know, it sucks, obviously. Like I probably could have gotten better marks, but like all relative to my life now, like that doesn't doesn't matter. Matter. So Tosh. Yeah. This is my question. You don't seem excited for my question. I'm excited. Perfect. Okay, great. This is what I'm interested in. An acquired spinal cord injury. Very active. Your injury comes, your life changes, everyone else's life changes or relationships change towards you. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's like, I feel like it's a little bit more obvious that your like relationship's going to completely flip. Mm-hmm. So I'm this active 18-year-old, you know, independent enough, still learning you know, how to be independent, just like slowly going to move to that step where you're like, you know, I wasn't living at home. I was, you know, a party girl. I was always out, you know, working, learning, whatever. Right. And then boom, crash, bang, this nasty car crash, all of a sudden paralyzed, neck down, comatose, whatever. So all the trauma, I'm now quadriplegic that you know, was a teenager with a bunch of secrets. And now, you know, my family is like, has to figure out how to deal with the trauma of almost losing a family member, a sister or a child for one, this crazy mental stress and mental trauma that they went through because it really affected them mentally and each of them individually. I had two sisters and a brother mom and a dad, stepmom, lots of extended family. But like my immediate family were who were just really in it, really in the hospital. You know, my little sister was only 16, uh, 15 and turned 16, but it really affected her adolescence, her growing up as a teenager. Um, I mean, you're, you're that young and now a nurse is trying to teach you how to use a catheter on your older sister and like how do you process that mentally that's not something that a normal teenager is really supposed to have to deal with mm-hmm. and now i myself as this 18 year old like my mom's gonna see me naked she hasn't seen me naked since i was like what 10 <laughs> who knows right <laughs> yeah and that's just helping me you know take a bath and um put clothes on right like it, it like it was so flipping depressing like mm-hmm. so depressing to lose all of that in a, in a in a second in an instant to lose that independence and it does it changes your relationship so much because you don't have privacy from your family anymore you don't really have the ability to like not have everybody know <laughs> know everything absolutely everything like i'm 18 and now my mom is going to be right now the one managing my um money and affairs like when you're coming up into adulthood and you're supposed to be doing that yourself learning that yourself you know that was put completely on halt um for me so it wasn't just physically it was physically financially you know making decisions Mm -hmm. that i should have or would have made decisions for myself um, having that autonomy, becoming like an adult, I just lose it all because you're 
you're, well, for for me, I was trying to survive because I was still in critical condition okay, for a yeah. really long time. And then once I was stable enough as, you know, a quadriplegic, it was like depression set in. So like mentally I wasn't there either. And, um, and, you know, she, my, especially my mom picked up that, that slack for everything. She took over. She's a real, um, leader, businesswoman, and she's going to handle things. So, and that's what she did. So it, you're not, you're not only losing your physical independence, but you're losing like every little bit of independence. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, yeah, it, there's like no, in no way did my injury not affect relationships with my family. Yeah. There's no way that anything was left untouched. So now it's also, it was, it's hard to differentiate sibling, parent, and then like care mm-hmm. because I want to hang out or go to the bar or something like that with my sister or, or even, you know, yes, my mom, cause we like to go dancing. But the fact that I have to like go out, if I go out somewhere, I need to be put to bed. I need to be a responsibility and I need, I might need help to pee. I might need help to eat. I'm not, you know, I, I became what I really felt was a huge burden, huge burden on my mom, especially, and my siblings. So it was like, and sometimes you would, you would really feel it too, because, you know, they might want to drop you off early so that they can then go out and party or like, you're not invited to go on a trip where everybody else might be invited to, but it's just not talked about. Because it's going to be such a hassle, you know, to take Tash. Yeah. Um, well, and they don't want you to feel like that's not the intention behind no, it. No. Right? And the like thing is, the, the... the thing is that, like, I've, I've like, over the years, it, it, it had bothered me a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm finally coming into the, like, oh, my God, it's hard. It is hard. And I'm, I used to always be like, oh, if I was in, you know, the if I was in the other shoes, I would definitely, like take her everywhere and do everything with her and da, 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 da. which like my mom really did. She really did do She said, you know what? Anything I can do, Tash can do. I can go in this restaurant. You know, if there's, if there's stairs, we need a ramp, you know, and my, my siblings, we'd find people that carry me up the stairs to go to the bars and whatever. But it's just, you can only go so far and it can be exhausting and it's hard. And the truth is it didn't happen to them. You know, they are not, the ones in the wheelchair, they are not the ones with a spinal cord injury and like their lives go on. Everybody's lives go on. Your life goes on. And yeah, but like it didn't, it didn't feel like it. Right. Right. Especially in the, in the fresh days. Uh, fresh when off. It was when it was fresh. It was like, no, your, my life has completely halted, completely stalled. Everybody else around me continues. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it was this huge event that was on the news Everybody's talking about it. Everybody, all my high schools, it's announced everywhere. It's huge news. But like six months later, oh. Will there be another crash? Will there be another thing that happens? Oh, remember that girl? Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. Oh, well, what do you want for dinner? You know? And it's just like, and I was like in the car with six people. So there's five other people in that car and their lives are going on as they can. I'm just like without with their own difficulties, but like without this kind of physical barrier or physical loss. And I think that was, that was, I don't know, 
So maybe I should have asked this before that question. But what, like, what was your relationship like before? Right. With your family, like, right. so it turned into whatever it was before, and then it turned into this yeah. dependence yeah, kind of relationship. That, but what was it? That would help make sense. Um, before, so I was a really rebellious teenager, really big party girl, really party animal, um, and like just wanted to grow up. You know, I wanted to like didn't have time to be no, <laughs> and I wanted a rough reputation. Like, I just wanted to be known. I wanted to be known. I was, you know, wanted to be wild. I wanted to be dangerous, right? So, I, I mean, my mom was definitely the enemy because she was the, like, authority figure in my life. So, you know, of course, I'm going to keep everything from her and um, and just try to get away with as much as I could. Sure. And so I had a lot of secrets like that, like party secrets, all the things, right? Sneaking out at night, just all of the... All of the naughty teenager things, basically. And um, I, you know, I, at 17, I moved out and lived with my boyfriend, who was a drug dealer. And um, that was, you know, that was, that, that, that's a perfect example. Okay, that, that <laughs> right there. Decision-making skills. Yes. And so, because, because it was exciting, because of the adrenaline, mm-hmm. um, that was the life that I was living. And then I, I felt like I was, like, just kind of turning around. I, like was broken up with that guy and I had moved in with my older sister and um, kind of like just developing some more independence and uh, then the crash happened. (laughs) So, yeah. And then so it was just, you know, my mom will say this wild teenager girl or child of mine, you know, and then it's just like a complete shock, Mm -hmm. complete like shock to the system. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, were you close with your siblings? Yeah, we were. We 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 all grew up like pretty close. Um, my my older sister was the um, oldest girl, and then my brother was older. But my older sister was always more responsible. You know, she she would always kind of be a little bit more of a um, mother hen sister, mm-hmm. as be- my mom was a single mom for very long. My parents divorced when I was nine. And my mom was like the breadwinner, businesswoman, entrepreneur, always working, right? And so, like, my sister learned to cook at a young age, and we all kind of took, like, on our own parts. And, you know, we we, we were very, like, active family. We went camping all the time. But, yeah, and my I got, I was really close with my brother. You know, he taught me how to party. <laughs> my brother taught me how to party, right? So... So that's, that was always cool to have a big older brother. Um, and then I wanted to hang out. Yeah. And I was like, always trying to, I guess, take my little sister under my wing and like show her a good time. Like my brother kind of did to me, but didn't really work out the same. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, we were all really close. And then, so the relationship with my siblings changed a lot just because, um, now I'm their sister in a wheelchair, Mm. you know? And so this is. This is even going to affect their relationships with their friends and other people. You know, visit, come, oh, come visit my sister with me. Let's go to the hospital together to visit my sister in the hospital. You know, they'll bring their friends maybe to come see me because they knew me before the crash too. Mm -hmm. I don't know where to go from here. I don't know where I'm going with this. But they were affected. (laughs) The, uh, what was really healthy, I think, because after my injury... With all my dependence 
on my family. You know, my we all moved home after my crash together to live in a big house. And my mom thought it was the greatest idea because, you know, we're going to live with two living caregivers, all my kids, and we're all going to help. We're all going to help with Tash. And we're going to, like, relieve caregivers um, on the weekends. And so, like, my little sister especially, they would kind of try to take shifts, right? So I became this responsibility and, again, this burden. And, um, you know, all of us living in that house didn't last very long. (laughs) (laughs) No. Long story short. But eventually, um, because of physical rehab and, um, like, rehabilitation centers, um, my mom found and and, and we found, I I ended up moving to Saskatchewan um, to attend a gym called First Steps and Wellness Center. And um, it was a godsend. That distance, like, as dependent as I still was, as, as involved um, in my life that my mom still was managing everything um, for me, I was still, like, my siblings were still kind of able to, like, go on with their lives and be mm-hmm. independent from, you know, having to... They, uh, they still, you know, always would have come down to Regina, come down and, and like, drive Tash, help Tash, whatever, still do their parts and stuff like that. But because of the distance, there was, there was like, a needed separation. And for me, it was also, like, leaving the city where I grew up, where everybody knew me as this party girl and, like, had, had this horrible thing happen to her, go somewhere where nobody knew me so I could, like, restart and, like, recreate a mm-hmm. new identity and, like, learn who I was now, mm-hmm. who I was again. You think when you, when you, when you acquire an injury, um, well, for me, it was kind of like you're a new person now. Mm-hmm. But you're not. And that was a mental struggle because the injury doesn't actually change who you are inside right changes you physically Mm -hmm. but for me i wanted i wanted to like not be this this person that i was anymore and it and because i had like been this party girl that hurt my mom so much and i was like no struggling with the fact that i that i am still the same person and uh i have to i had to grow up really quick right now i have to learn how to depend on other people for absolutely every physical need that i have and have people around all the time constantly so I guess moving to Regina really helped that, mm-hmm. that you know, separation from my family so, and, and for myself. It was a long process, though, because I can't say that, like, oh, moving to Regina, it just, yeah, it just helped everything, it fixed everything. But, like, it took time, you know, that I then became a student and um, went to school, you know, and had to learn how to do that. Yeah. Learn how to act if I could act again. I mean, I'm fading. See, I knew you should have done your talking first. No, no, because I'm always talking and it's, my stuff is so obvious. Did you cool. like, did you like our world? Hopefully Thanks you for, did. Yeah. Thanks for coming out. If you liked our world, follow more of our world on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Mixed Crips or email us at The Mixed Crips at gmail.com. So, with all said and done, don't forget to... It is absolutely essential to keep keep rolling rolling forward one neuron at a time. time.